Welcome to the Bear Marriage Podcast. I'm Sheila Ray Gregoire from tolovehonorandvacuum.com. And every Thursday, we like to show up in your podcast app to talk about how to strip away all the stuff from marriage that holds us back and get focused on Jesus instead. And this is the last Thursday of June. Mm-hmm. And so on the last Thursday, we'd like to sort of aim our podcast more at men, not entirely. Women are more than welcome to join us. But we often have messages that we think that I think maybe go more for the male side of our audience. And so I have brought my husband, Keith, on. Hey, everybody. And you actually wrote a post for us this week. Yeah, I I missed May, but then I wrote one You missed May. It was just a busy month Mm -hmm. because we had manuscripts due and all kinds of stuff. But you wrote a really good post, and you actually... You actually went further doctrinally than I usually do on the blog. Um, you just let it all well, hang was, out there. Yeah, and I was just upset. <laughs> I know, <laughs> which I, I appreciate. These, I got in these like exchanges on Facebook and Twitter with these people, which oh, is always a gosh. mistake. Always yeah. a mistake. I thought we could just talk about your post because I thought it was I thought it was sure. good. So when you were talking about the slippery slope of hierarchy and how everybody is always worried yeah. about the slippery slope of liberalism and what that's going to yeah. lead to. But what you're saying is that there's a slippery slope in the other direction, too. Yeah, so basically the concept is that uh, there's two views that are in the Christian church. Mm -hmm. They've been there for a long time. One is that the man is in charge uh, and the woman needs to be under him and do Mm -hmm. what he says. Mm -hmm. And the other one is that the two are equals and they actually work together. Uh, mm-hmm. in their marriage and they're 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 both equal and so the mentality is that the the in the hierarchicalist sense where women are below men in the relationship is that that is the biblical model and people who are on the other side don't really believe the bible and that's right. what they preach right uh, and they say you just don't believe the bible yeah and i think that's so funny because what they don't understand is those 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 of us who do think that men and women are meant to be equal listening to the holy spirit together pursuing jesus together got to that opinion because of the bible yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like it's not that we don't believe the bible yeah it's that we're looking at the whole bible yeah and, exactly. and we're interpreting verses like even like in one of the posts i s- said earlier it's like jesus said love your neighbors yourself like love like you know and so I would never want to be subjugated to another person. I, I want to be an equal to that mm-hmm. other person. So that's, you know, like, how can you live, how can mm-hmm. you just ignore the words of Jesus? Mm-hmm. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, so the first thing was is that I was basically saying that people who say these things, the things they teach don't actually line up with reality. So, for instance, one of the big things they teach is that men need to be in charge because otherwise relationships won't be successful. So yeah. if you have, like the Amish language is a great one for that. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll quote him directly just so that, just so we'll that quote, we... Yeah, we'll quote, it's, it's in, in Love and Respect, he taught, well, you go ahead and read the quote, it's in my post. He says, to set up a marriage with two equals at the head is to set it up for failure. That is one of the big reasons that people are divorcing left and right today. Yeah, and you hear that all the time. It's like, you how can you how can you be equals? You need a tiebreaker. There's no way you can have a marriage that works if you don't have someone be in charge. Yes, that's that's yeah. just because you're always going to need a tiebreaker. Because what do you do if you disagree? Someone's got to make the final decision. Yeah. That's that's the argument. And yeah. that's that's what they sort of say. But the problem is, is that that's actually not reality. Mm-hmm. And that was the whole point of me writing this post was it was basic, based upon the reason I got upset and I started writing it was because you were getting all this pushback for a post you wrote earlier. And the post you wrote was saying basically that we preach this hierarchy, mm-hmm. but most Christian couples actually live like equals. Yeah, what we found in the Great Sex Rescue, this is actually quite interesting, is that most women who, who answered our survey, 20,000 women, um, they do believe in some sort of a hierarchy that, that, that the man makes the final decision 
you know, yeah. uh, that if they disagree, the final decision's up to him, etc. But then when you ask what they actually do, yeah. <laughs> um, they make decisions together. Yeah. And so they say they believe that he should make the final decision, but they actually make decisions together. And we have since, since the Great Sex Rescue came out, we've also surveyed men and we saw something very similar, is that people say what they believe is that he should be the decision maker, but that isn't what they do. Yeah. Yeah, and so in that post that you were referencing, I was saying to pastors, look, <laughs> what you what you say is make sure that he makes the decision because all the responsibility and authority is on him, but that's probably not what you're practicing, and that's a good thing because yeah. when and when and I'm I'm stealing your thunder here because I think this is what you were about to say, but but when people actually practice it, when people actually put it into practice that he makes the final decision, even if he consults with her first, yeah. your divorce rate increases seven point four times. Yeah, that was what you found in the Great Sex yeah. Rescue. Yeah. And, and there's all kinds of research that shows that. I mean, Gottman was one of the first ones that showed this. Mm-hmm. Men who don't share power. That was one of my first posts with yes. you, actually. Yeah. was that men who don't share power, men who feel like they should be in charge and they don't want to share power with their wives, mm-hmm. they have like an 80-some percent chance yeah, of Yeah, 81% their, chance of their divorce. Their marriage mm-hmm. breaking up. So the, the reality is when you go into a marriage as equals, you are much more likely to be successful yes. than if you go into a marriage with the assumption that he's in charge. Yeah. Like that is the facts mm-hmm. of the matter. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is people have this mentality of, well, the man has to be in charge, but it doesn't, it doesn't work. And this is this big jo- like disjoint. The crisis is not with people who want to be equals. Oh my gosh. We have all these tiebreaker situations. We don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. That's not happening. No. Those marriages aren't breaking up. Yeah. <laughs> but people are breaking up left, right, and center because men are not giving women a voice in their relationships. Yeah. It's been shown again and again and again. Yeah, multiple, so, multiple studies. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, so does God really have a model for marriage that doesn't work? Do we believe the almighty God mm-hmm. has created a model for marriage that is a failure? Mm-hmm. I mean, is that what we really believe? How arrogant of us to not say, maybe we misunderstood God. Maybe we mm-hmm. misunderstood the Bible. Maybe we need to take another fresh look at it, you know, yeah. rather than saying, you know, yeah. well, I don't care what the data says. This is what God said. I'm going to live it that way. Right. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, maybe your interpretation is wrong. And it's so funny because Emerson Eggert makes that, makes that comment about this is why marriages are breaking up without any reference to any study well, yeah, or data there at all. There can't be any data because yeah. the data don't show that. Yeah. And, and the, whole, the whole, you know, the husband needs to make the final decision. What would you do if you don't agree? You just work it out. Yeah. Like, it's not that hard. You just keep praying about it well, until you come to an agreement. Like, it isn't is, that hard. <laughs> this, this is the thing is, is that, like, I believe that God leads us and I believe that God speaks to us, you mm-hmm. know? And I know that, you know, like, it, you know, you have the ability to listen to the Spirit as well as I do. So mm-hmm. if I think we should do something and you don't, like, I don't think, well, we should just do it then. No. <laughs> like, yeah, it's exactly. like, you know, if we both agree, then we should go forward. If we don't, then we need to take some more time and reflection and prayer. Yep. As far as I'm concerned. That's why two are better than one. Absolutely. Okay. Second, so the, yeah, second uh, reason. What was my second point? My second point was, was that, um, oh yeah. So the whole idea is that if you throw out male hierarchy, you know, then you throw out the whole Bible. So mm-hmm. if you don't believe that men are in charge, then you don't believe the Bible and you're going to become a total liberal, heretic, whatever. And you're going to become you're a heretic. Being, actually, the word heretic even is used. Yeah. You know, you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're a heretic because you don't believe the Bible because right. the Bible says men need to be in charge. Well, here's the deal, okay? So the Bible was written in a time when men were in charge. Yes. There's no question about that. 
Okay, you know, in Roman times, men had authority over the lives of their wives. Right, mm-hmm. this this you, women were basically property. You could murder them and not be prosecuted. Right? Yeah, there was a there was for most of human history, women were seen as inferior to men. Aristotle called women defective men. Mm-hmm. Right, this is the mentality of the of when the Bible was being written. Women were defective men, like that's that's just what they thought. Mm-hmm. And so what's happened is over time. Women have always been under men because men are superior to women. And that's the natural order of things. And no one ever questioned that. And Paul isn't going to specifically come out and say women are exactly equal to men and they should be equal, uh, you know, partners saying the same things. He's not going to say those kind of things because that's not the way they were thinking in the first century Mm -hmm. Greco-Roman world. Like that's... That's not the issue, right? right? He's not going to say those things because women are inferior to men in that mindset. Well, what's happened is we now realize women are not inferior to men. Mm-hmm. We now realize women are equal to men. I think we, we believe that. Even the strongest hierarchists give lip service to the idea that women are equal to the men. They say, yep. we believe women and men are equal, but they are given different roles. Yes. So they don't say women are inferior to men, and so therefore they should be subjugated to them. That's not what they say. They say, mm-hmm. we affirm women and men are equal, mm-hmm. but they're given different roles. Even the strongest ones say that. Yeah. And Here, they say, and this is what we have always believed. And they say, this is what we have always believed, right? But here's the deal. The roles are that one is, is subjected to the other. Yes. Right? And there's two problems with this. Is That's not what we've always believed. Right. And to say that, I don't know if lie is too strong a word. I mean, like, it's it's certainly not true. I, mm-hmm. I don't know that it's intentionally deceptive, but it's not true. We have not believed for 2,000 years that women were equal to men, but subjugated to them in position or role. Mm-hmm. We have believed that women were subjected to men because they were inferior to men. That's right. what we've believed until right. recently. Now right. we believe that women are equal to men. Mm-hmm. But they say that the women have the role of being subject. Mm-hmm. Well, the problem with that is that you can't be equal and subject. <laughs> yes. Like it's logically inconsistent, and we know that's logically inconsistent. Yeah. There's no. And way... we would see it with race. We don't see it with gender, but we would see it if we talked about <laughs> race. Yeah. Like if we said to people who were not white, "You're equal, but you're not allowed to be a pastor, or but you're not allowed to be a boss in the workplace, but you are equal." Yeah. But God has God has ordained that white people. <laughs> yeah. Get to be the oh pastor. Oh my gosh. Like there's no way we would say that that's yeah. okay because we would say that means that you don't think they're equal yeah exactly because mm-hmm. they're not equal mm-hmm. it's like animal farm you know at the end when the pigs say all animals are equal but some animals are more equal than others yeah. <laughs> like- and i do and i do want to say I, I i always get uncomfortable bringing race into this because i do think that that um you know especially in the american context the problem with races has been so horrific yes. <laughs> that I just do want to acknowledge that. And in the Canadian context too, with the residential schools. So I'm, I'm not trying to downplay the issue of race. I'm just trying to say that that's as an example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the issue is that, that we know intrinsically that women can't be equal to men and subjected to men. Mm-hmm. Right? That's just doesn't make any logical sense. So how do we make logical sense of that? Well, enter the theology of the eternal subordination of the son. Yes. And so this is the concept that in the same way that Jesus is equal to God the Father, but is eternally subordinate to God the Father, mm-hmm. the wife is equal to the husband, but eternally subordinate to the husband. So this was yep. a theology that was mm-hmm. recently resurrected, and I'll tell you why I say resurrected rather than created in mm-hmm. a second. But this was re- recently resurrected 
basically to explain this problem we now have, which yeah. is women can't be equal and subjected. Yeah, just well, in the last few decades, it's really yeah, become big again. Become big Eternal again. subordination of the sun. Mm-hmm. And the reason is, I say resurrected, is because it's a well-known heresy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a resurrection of a 16th century old heresy that was refuted a long, long time ago. In fact, it was a very, very dangerous heresy that almost rent the church. Yeah, it was really why they had the Council of Nicaea to a large extent, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, was part it? of it. Yeah, and then, yeah. And, yeah, there's all kinds of like debates. Like in the 300s, yes. Yeah. yeah. So I find it just odd <laughs> that I have been told to my face that if I don't believe that men are hierarchically over women mm-hmm. in the marriage, and in the church, and in whatever, Mm -hmm. that I don't believe the Bible. But then they will develop a theology that is a known heresy and call me a heretic. Because what what it is doing, it's denying the Trinity. Because the whole point of the Trinity is that the three are equal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and so Jesus is not eternally subordinate to the Father. They are all equal. And what this heresy is, is actually a form of Arianism, mm-hmm. if for anyone who's interested. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so you know, that's a slippery slope. All of a sudden now we've, because we are holding on to this concept of hierarchy, like mm-hmm. we won't say, hey, let's look at the Bible again. Maybe we misread Paul. Maybe we misunderstood these things. Can we see it in a different light? then, you know, instead of doing that, we're going to hold on to this and we're going to generate this theology which is known to be heretical. Yeah. I mean, that's a slippery slope. You're, you've, you've gone off the rails. You really yeah. have. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I, I want to say too, I'm not saying any of the arguments for my viewpoint in this. Right. Um, they're out there. Like, mm. I'm, like the point of this podcast is not to argue my case. There's tons of good biblical exegesis out there yeah. making these points. So the idea that no person who's Bible-believing believes this way mm-hmm. is just complete nonsense. It's not true. And you can find all kinds of information if you want, and we'll put some links. Yeah. Marg, Marg, Marg's, Marg's go. Yeah, Marg Mousko. Marg Mousko. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Particularly. Anyway, so that was the second thing. And then the third thing was just basically the, the justice issue, because, you know, if you really think that you can say to one class of people that uh, they need to be constantly subjected to another person, that's just really wrong. And, and the idea that he's the tiebreaker in the, in the house, that seems pretty benign, but that's not what the belief is. I mean, like MacArthur said, women need to recognize, I forget the exact quote, but it's like, women need to recognize that in every relationship with men that they are in a position of inferiority. Yes, yes. John, John MacArthur does believe that all women must be subject to all men. Yeah, yeah so it's like, not just in marriage. There's, yeah. like the, these, these are the things that are out there, and, mm-hmm. and this is a slippery slope. So it's not just... In our marriage, I'm the final tiebreaker. There's a slippery slope to women can't do this. Women can't mm-hmm. do that. Women can't do this. Women are actually inferior to men. That's the slippery slope. And so I don't want to go down that slippery slope. I will say a couple of things. The Bible does say there is no male or female, slave nor free, Jew nor Greek, yeah. and we're all one in Christ. The Bible says that the one who wishes to be the greatest must be the servant of all. Mm-hmm. Like These are the things that I know are true. So when I hear people talking about all this theological muttering about who's in charge of whom, mm-hmm. I think you've missed the entire point from the beginning. Um, and so I don't, like we can talk about 1 Timothy 2.12 or whatever another time, mm-hmm. but you have to understand the concept, the overall concept is that God created male and female in his image, that there is now in Christ, there is no male or female, slave or free, Jew or Greek, mm-hmm. we're all one, and that it's not about power and who's in charge of each other. It's about mutually serving each other because that's mm-hmm. the example that Christ gave. 
who did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, you know, but emptied himself. That's what we should be doing in our marriages, emptying ourselves for each other rather than trying to figure out who's supposed to be at the helm. Mm-hmm. All right, I got a reader question for you. Mm-hmm. Kind of goes along with what we just said. Sure. Are you ready? Can I yep. lay it on you? Okay, yeah, good. here it goes. He's a man writes and he says, Sheila, I've been aware of you for the last couple of years. My wife participated in the survey for your book, The Great Sex Rescue. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Yeah, good. Long survey, so we do appreciate that. We ordered on Amazon, and we're getting John Gottman's Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work as well. Okay. Great book. Highly Good. recommend it. Scored really well in a rubric, so just an aside there, John Gottman's great. Sounds okay. Great. We were converted right around the time we were married, and we went to conservative fundamental churches and homeschooled our kids and believed the purity culture and all that. So kind of like us so far. That's pretty much us. Yeah, because I, I, didn't, I didn't become an evangelical you know, fundamentalist type Christian till just before we got married. Yeah, and we homeschooled our kids and we were in the purity culture. I mean, we got out of it pretty quickly, but we were in it. Okay, we recently changed churches, so I think we're away from the wives submit to your husband dogma. In listening to your podcast, I've realized I have run roughshod over my wife for decades. I quit porn Mm -hmm. about five years ago and I went through David White's book, Sexual Sanity for Men. I don't actually know anything about that one, but at least he's, he's he's finding something that helps. We want to fix our marriage, rebuild trust, etc. I'm wondering if going through Gottman's book in your book and then doing licensed marriage and family therapy counseling or skip the books and go straight to the counseling, do you know of resources that will help me? I realize I've sinned horribly against God and my wife. And before we can be restored, there needs to be trust, grieving, PTSD counseling for my wife and likely more. Um, any advice would be appreciated. We've been married 31 years and are looking forward to the next 31. Mm-hmm. It really does sound like us. We're like 30 years into it. Yeah, that's so. funny. Yeah, minus yeah. the porn. I yeah. just didn't say yes. Yeah. Yes, that's never been an issue. But the th- I do relate to this guy because, you know, like, we've said this before in the podcast and, and in a lot of things you've written. Like, I didn't treat you very well at the beginning of our marriage. And a lot of it was this mentality that I didn't really believe at the beginning, but I was now a Christian mm-hmm. and I was told, you need to be the man, you need to be in charge you know, and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. And, I, and mm-hmm. I bought a lot of that. And I also bought a lot of the purity message of once you get married, sex is going to be amazing and it's going to be perfect. You're going to have it all the time. And, mm-hmm. and then when, you know, when we struggled, you know, early on with vaginismus, I don't mean to say that it was the fault of that because I still, it is my responsibility for what I did. But those messages um, were part of the reason that I didn't treat you with the grace and tenderness that you deserved and needed at that time. Um, so I, I understand what this man says when he says he feels he sinned against his wife and mm-hmm. he knows he's done damage and he wants to make it right. But, you know, he knows it's it's hard. It's going to yeah. be hard. Yeah. yeah. And I just want to say, too, like, I'm just so encouraged by this email personally. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I know that they're going through a really rough time. But when I read this, whether it's a man who's writing it or a woman who's writing it, because women mess up, too. Right. Yeah. Like, like, it's not always one way. But. I think often when you've really sinned against your spouse, what your spouse needs is just for you to acknowledge and to be able to speak out loud what happened and, and to validate their hurt. And the fact that, that he's able to do that and he's able to say, like, I did this and my wife is hurt because of it and she needs this counseling. Like, I think that's mm. a big part of the healing process. Um, and so I think that's really, really great. And I think going to licensed counselor is amazing and yeah. very good idea it might be a good idea to see that counselor as a couple but also individually depends what you need though. It, yeah the counselor can the walk, counselor you, through can walk well you through too. that i would just say when when there's been 31 years of hurt 
it's not going to get better in a week. Mm-hmm. Be prepared that this might be a bit of a long road um, because she's going to have to be able to process a lot of the grief that maybe she hasn't even let herself feel. Because sometimes I think when, when your relationship is on shaky ground, then for you to let yourself feel the grief and the hurt mm-hmm. could cause that relationship to absolutely crumble into a million pieces. And so you often don't let yourself actually feel that emotion until you're in that safe space. And so now that he's admitting, hey, I really did wrong by you. I really want to make this work. Suddenly she's in a safe space. And so now she can feel that emotion. And so it may seem to him like things are getting a lot worse in the short term. But it might just be that she is actually letting herself feel for the first time some of the things that she went through and that ultimately is going to be a healing thing if he can just be patient because mm. it is hard not to push back and say you know but i have apologized and and, and yeah. i want you to forgive me and all that so yeah, yeah. counselor's great give it the yeah. time it needs name what's done yeah but i think this guy can is going to be able to handle that because he's yeah. already shown a lot of mm-hmm grace and and he mm-hmm. re- and repentance and he really knows he needs to do things differently and you know, a lot of times as guys, we're, we're not willing to admit what we've done wrong. Yeah. Um, and we need to get over that. And we need to say we're sorry. And we need to take the measures that need to be taken to make it right. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of women aren't... I think, I think that's a human fault. Yeah, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say I for think, men. I'm just talking because it's the men's podcast. And I'm yeah. A man. But yeah. you're right. It's, it's not a universal yeah. either way. But, but I do think we need to take that um, mm-hmm. seriously if we've done wrong and, and make it right and say, I know I can't fix what I did back then but I can try and do better now yeah I think it's a good thing he's taking responsibility for what he did and he wants to do better in the future and mm-hmm. as for any resources that he's asking I mean uh, I really like Andrew Bauman's book The Sexually Healthy Male um, or Sexually Healthy Man sorry uh, and a lot of that is is getting in touch with her with your own wounds, your own hurts, and learning how to become vulnerable, which is really hard for a lot of men. And Michael Michael John Cusick's book, Surfing for God, again, about how often the desire for porn is really more about the desire to feel strong and feel like a man when you actually feel quite inadequate. Um, And so it's dealing with those underlying feelings that can help you work through those things. And I think when we're able to admit some of our own wounds, that really draws the marriage closer together too. So I think in this stage, a lot of it really is just about vulnerability, Mm -hmm. allowing her to be vulnerable and express her hurt. You know, you being vulnerable and, and express your own insecurities, your own sorrows and all of that. And I think that's what ultimately... Um, it brings you together. And I think when we are able to be vulnerable and authentic, that's when we let the Holy Spirit in. When we're worried about what the other person is doing, how they're not forgiving, they're not apologizing right, they're not doing, then we kind of put the walls up. But when we really are vulnerable and, and admit what's going on in our hearts, then we let the Holy Spirit minister. And that hmm. often is what brings healing too. Sounds good. <laughs> All right. So we are going to bring a special guest on now for another segment, <laughs> our son-in-law, Connor is going to join you, actually, mm-hmm. to talk about a blog post that we had last week. Going and I thought beach. I thought it might be good <laughs> if the men dealt with this one. All right. So, yeah, let's talk about this whole going to the beach <laughs> thing. Uh, and it's, it's around this idea of mental load. And I just say I really like this concept because this is one of, the, one, this is one of those opportunities where uh, working on the blog, working for the blog... I sometimes get introduced to a concept that Sheila writes about that I can look at and actually have it change the way that I see my own marriage and really Mm. be like, oh, that's actually something that 
had not been a consideration in my marriage before. And that really changes how I can look at things. Mental load was absolutely one of those things for me. And it's changed a whole lot since I've realized that's something to look at. Yeah. So basically the concept in the story is that uh, this fun, let's go to the beach sort of thing. And the woman goes into panic mode because there's a million things that need to be planned to go to the beach. And then so the point is she's saying is that doing something has a whole lot of other things behind the scenes that go into it usually. And there's a lot of planning and coordination and understanding. So in most marriages, it ends up being the wife who's the one who's keeping track of all that. Mm -hmm. And so the husband has this great idea, let's go to the beach. And then wants to hop in the car and drive to the beach. Yeah, because he's like, you know, uh, my wife's been stressed. I think she could use a break. She yeah. could get out and do something fun. Let's go to the beach. That'll be fun. Yeah. That'll be a chance for her to relax. Yeah. And then it turns out to be a big fight because we've got to pack sunscreen and we got to do mm -hmm. this, we got to do that and all stuff. And he's like, you don't want to have any fun anymore. You're not spontaneous. Yeah. We never have fun. Why are you such a stick in the mud? All this kind of stuff. So, and that was the concept of the, of the, the, the basic concept of the post was that you know, you need to respect the fact that the, there's reasons why we do need to plan these things and we do need to understand that the sunscreen needs to be there, we need to have snacks and we need to have a plan for the kids when they're going to nap, what's going to happen, all these kind of yeah. things. You need to be thinking four steps ahead, especially, not exclusively, but especially when kids are involved. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people are pushing back saying that, uh, and, and the point she was making was that men need to take on some of that mental load. It's not enough for men to just say, hey, I'm available on here. Tell me what to do. Give me a list. Yeah, give me the list. What do you want? That's great if they do, um, but that's not enough because if the, the, all this other planning stuff and stuff in the background, it's a huge load on them. Yeah. And, you, and that's what they want you to take off. For instance, in, in our relationship, uh, one of the things is I wanted to try and help out with things around the house once I... Because first of all, I got I to gotta be honest. First of all, in the early years of our marriage, I, like, I did know nothing around the house. Like I was in med school and then yeah. we were in like, and then I was a, starting a practice and stuff and it was just like 90 hours a week kind of thing. Yeah. I, was, I was, you know, when I was home, I spent time with the kids. Um, and so Sheila did everything. But then once things settled down, I wanted to take on some of the housework and I started with the whole give me a list thing. That's kind of the way I did it because I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. <laughs> I hadn't done laundry in 10 years, yeah. right? So uh, I started with the give me a list, give me a list. And it was just very frustrating because the actual task might get done, but planning of the task, seeing if the task was done properly, follow up on the task, all those things, they, those are still Sheila's. So it was, I'd done like 10% of the task and felt like a hero. And, and so I really, we learned over time that it was easier for things around the house for from the beginning to the end to be one person's job. So laundry is, you know, my job now, you know, for, yeah. except for a few things. There's a few delicate pieces of clothing that she hand washes. I don't touch those. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but laundry's my thing, right? So that's, I do that. Sheila does all the meal preparation. I don't cook, I, I, you know, but th those are things we do because you share the entire, you take the whole task on and it makes a big difference. And a lot of guys I think are doing a bunch of stuff and they feel like they're already doing a ton, mm -hmm. but they feel like their wives aren't appreciating how much they're doing. And I think it'd be better if instead of doing the 10% of a bunch of little tasks that you're trying to help your wife with to say, Hey, like what's one thing I can take and just own yeah. and that's my thing. And then just take the whole thing on. It'd be so much better. Because there's the doing aspect of things, which is certainly part of it. You know, the stuff actually needs to get done. But when we're talking about mental load, we're often talking about the logistics. Mm -hmm. We're talking about knowing what needs to get done. Like when, Keith, when you were taking on the laundry, I imagine that didn't just mean you were taking the laundry from the hamper, tossing it in, running the load, moving it to the dryer, uh, and then maybe folding it at the end. 
if you ran low on laundry detergent, you need to be figuring or that even out. Or even just what, what detergents you use, what yeah. cycles, all that kind of stuff. Like, what I don't detergents even know that to stuff. use. And I, if things are getting too staticky, figuring out, hmm, you know, are we going to go with dryer sheets or get some of those static balls? What are we, like, that was entirely on you then. You needed to take care of the logistics from that point. Well, and that's one of the things that Sheila gets pushed back on this post is the men were saying things like, well, I try to help, but then she micromanages what I do, right? So she, and so therefore I won't do it. Like if, if she wants help, I'll do it, but mm-hmm. don't micromanage me. Yeah. So like, well, dude, if you've never done this and she has been doing it, then maybe listen to why it needs to be done that way. There's probably a good reason that needs to be done that way from the times that she's been doing it to teach you. So for yeah. instance, you know, when I started doing laundry stuff, um, she'll say, oh, you can't use, you can't do this. You can't do that. You can't mix this thing. You can't mix that thing. Like even simple things like, you know. Like, I already knew this. Like, whites need to be separate from colors. Like, there's things that you need to know. And so being open to learning is really important. So saying that, well, women try micromanage, so therefore I won't help. It seems that's just not, that's just not on. (laughs) Like, that's not appropriate. It's it's not appropriate at all. Because when it comes down to it, the mental load is about feeling like you are the one responsible for if things go wrong. Yeah, that's, that's true too. Yeah, so... Even if you, even if your husband decides to take on a task, if you still feel like he's not taking responsibility for all the details of it, and that if something goes wrong, that's still going to reflect on you, and you're still going to have to deal with the consequences. We see this especially when the woman is generally responsible for the children while the husband is away at work. If something happens, like we're talking about the beach example, if the kids get a sunburn because the husband forgot to bring sunscreen, then generally it's the mother who's going to feel that reflects poorly on her when people see her walking her kids and see that they're sunburned they're going to think yeah she didn't pack sunscreen but also she's going to be the one who's having to deal with putting the kids down for their naps while they have these painful sunburns and all of these sorts of things Mm -hmm. and these are the things that she knows she always has to think of she can't let go of that mental load if she doesn't feel confident that her husband will think of those things and will take responsibility for making sure they don't just get done, but that they get done the right way with all the appropriate consideration. Mm-hmm. The other thing I was going to say is that, you know, when I was a kid, there were certain tasks that were women's work, mm-hmm. right? And I, we got to be past that now. Yeah. Like, come on. Like, guys, like, it's not, like, it's not unmanly to do the dishes. It's not yeah. unmanly to do laundry. Like, if that's still where you're at, like, you need to grow up. Like, yeah. it's, we're not in that stage anymore. Like, and, and so if, if you want to take something on, then take it on and, and learn it. And if your wife doesn't feel comfortable that you're doing it right, then find out how to do it better. Right? Yeah. And there's things sometimes you might find ways to do things that are better that she hadn't thought of. That's great. But, uh, but don't just say, you know, I'm going to help out, but I'm going to do it my way and I don't care what your input is. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. You know, we do often, when we're having this conversation, we do often talk about housework and taking care of the kids. But the thing is, this idea of mental load and the way that women have to think about things uh, often with, we talk about the spaghetti brain and all that, (laughs) that actually applies to so much more than just the home and just taking care of the kids. It's actually an important skill for all of us to develop. Uh, Rebecca said I could tell this story even just earlier this week. I was at the grocery store picking up some things and I saw, you know, I saw the flowers on display and I thought, you know what? I think I should get Rebecca some flowers and just express my thanks for, uh, I know things have been really hard for her uh, with all the work that she's been doing while being pregnant and everything. I'll get her some flowers to let her know I think she's doing fantastic. 
And so I get to the flower section, I'm looking at these flowers, and I have to stop and I have to think, okay, now, it would be a nice gesture. Does she actually want flowers? <laughs> yes, she likes flowers. She likes having things around the house. She's doing a lot of hanging plants. Should I get a hanging plant instead? And I had to think about that, and then I had to think, if I get flowers, do we have a vase for them to go into? Yes, we do. Uh, where are we going to put that vase? If I just say, here's some flowers to put in a vase on the kitchen table, well... Alex is climbing onto the kitchen on, onto the kitchen table all the time. I don't want to bring Rebecca a gift that is then going to be another thing she has to save from the kid. Like, oh, thanks for the flowers. I'll figure something out. So I went looking and I'm like, we could put them in the bedroom, up on the stand by the window. That would look nice. What would go well in our bed? And so, you know, I had to think about all these things before I could come, before I could come to the conclusion that, yes, flowers would be a nice thing to get her. Uh, and she would, I think she would appreciate that because uh, you've probably heard it's the thought that counts. But if the <laughs> thought is all that's there, there yeah. wasn't enough thought. You, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like yeah. if it doesn't actually serve a purpose and is functional and is nice beyond just the thought, you haven't put in all that much thought. Yeah. One of the things I think about when I'm reading the feedback, it gets me a little upset too, is I, you know, I kind of think that we're, we should be at the point where we feel like we're equal partners in this right mm -hmm. and there's there is still this mentality i think a lot of times well i go to work and she takes care of the house and that's the way it should be but the thing is is that it's been shown even when women work they still do more of the housework than the men <laughs> like when you're both working women do more of the housework yeah now we're not just talking about the amount of housework we're talking about the organizational part of it too but this there is an underlying assumption from a lot of guys that you know she's going to take care of this stuff and I think we need to question that. We need to say, like, you know, if, like, for instance, in the early years of our marriage, when I was working 90 hours a week, I didn't do any housework. And that was appropriate. It wasn't later on in our marriage. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people are in this situation where they're not really doing much to contribute to the housework. They're playing video games while their wife's cleaning up dinner that she made for him, you know. And that's not appropriate. That's just not appropriate. And I think we guys need to start calling other guys out on that because there's sort of this bro code or this club that... We got it good. Don't mess it up, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's like that's not right. It's just not fair. You know, and it shouldn't be that way. So we need to start saying, "Hey, guys, step up to the plate." Like, yeah, you know. Now, yeah, if you've got a really demanding job and you do a lot of other stuff around the house, and you know that you do your, you really feel you're doing your contribution, then have some discussion about it. But mm -hmm. I, but I don't see that. I see a lot of times that, you know, like people are. Getting by with, like, the, the, he goes to play video games while she cleans up after dinner. Yeah. That's not appropriate. It shouldn't be happening. Yeah. Because, like you said, we're not talking, we're not saying that work is, involves zero mental load. So yeah. everyone is working. You've got it totally easy. Uh, no, that's absolutely not the case. You know, uh, everything, we do have mental resources and having a lot of mental load with what you do for uh, the household, not necessarily at the house, but for the household. Having a lot of mental load does consume a lot of that psychological stamina, you know, those mental resources. But if one of you is working and your job also honestly takes up a lot of those mental resources, then yeah, you know, you might need to have a conversation and figure out what's a healthy balance for the two of you to find so that neither one of you is feeling completely psychologically drained and empty while the other one... Just doing pretty fine. Yeah. So yeah, and, and yeah, yeah. And a guy who comments in the the comment section that uh, we want to go to the beach and she's overthinking it and she's a stick in the mud, which is the kind of comments that we're getting. 
um, mm-hmm. and says that it's no big deal. If you forget the sunscreen, who cares? Like, like that person clearly does not understand that that person is not in a relationship where they feel that they should both contribute and be equal partners. Mm-hmm. That is a person who feels like they can depend on their wife, but they do not feel an obligation to be the kind of husband that their wife can also depend on. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing is for a lot of guys out there, like, you know, your wife is your safety net. You how about come up with an idea and then you think, oh, we forgot the whatever and she's got it because she was thinking about it. You know what, guys? Thank her for that and try to be more like that instead mm-hmm. of fighting about taking on some of these tasks. Yeah. Um, be the safety net for your wife sometimes. Be thinking ahead. When she forgets things, you've already got got it. Oh no, I brought the snack for the kids because I knew we were gonna be we could be here longer than we thought, or whatever. Like own those kind of things. Just like just why is it why is there pushback on this? We should yeah. all be working to be better people and supporting each other. Yeah. At the same time, I do think we need to give uh, some credit where credit's due. I I think what we've really been seeing over the last uh, the last little while is that I do think there is starting to be a shift. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think in a lot of newer, younger marriages, we are starting to see a far more equal division of these sorts of things uh, with, the, yeah. with the mental load. Uh, it's been shown that uh, men are starting to get a lot more involved with raising their kids, which is fantastic because kids need both a mother and a father yep. really not just physically but emotionally yeah that's true yeah so i mean yeah. I, I think there's I think hope we're on a good path i think we're on a good yeah. path but we we do have some improvement and mm-hmm. and we we i i on the men's podcast we just wanted to say like i think we can learn and we need to start stepping up the plate and trying yeah. to do better sometimes Thank you guys for addressing that. I appreciate it. And, you know, I just want to tell the guys, too, I really think what Connor said is very true about yeah. the younger generation. I have seen so many great and, and studies. And some of us old dogs are learning new tricks, too. Yes, you are. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, even the difference between the number of diapers that Generation um, uh, Z and Millennial Dads yeah. change versus, like, Generation yeah. X and Boomers is pretty yeah. amazing. So yeah. I think a lot of dads are, are really stepping up to the plate, which is great and I think we're going to continue to see that but again it's not it isn't just about the housework it's just taking on that mental load and if I could just give some encouragement to guys let me tell you that on this podcast we talk a lot about how to find the clitoris and how to do more foreplay (laughs) and all of this stuff so that she really enjoys sex but the number one thing that women tell us is mental load like really dudes (laughs) like if she has to remember the fact that the car needs to go in for an oil change tomorrow and Julie has her dentist appointment at two and your mother's birthday is on the weekend and someone has to buy the the streamers. And, you know, like if all of this is always in her head, she's just exhausted. Yeah. And I think one of the things as men is we need to stop assuming certain things should belong to her and Mm -hmm. I shouldn't have to think about it. We should as a couple be saying, there's a lot of stuff that needs to happen to make this family run, and we should all be thinking about it, and we should divide it up in a way that's fair, including all the planning and the organization yeah. and being each other's safety nets, yeah. instead of assuming that I can just delegate that to you. Yeah, that's and I don't even know. I think I think just when you get married, I think women just start doing this stuff, yeah. and men don't even realize yeah. it's getting done. Absolutely. Like, and that and that's what is so exhausting. And that was the point of Let's Go to the Beach is like the guys don't even often yeah. men don't even realize 
why she's freaking out about this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's yeah. so just interesting because seriously, like you want better sex, you want a better marriage. Mental load's the number one thing. So many women have told me that, that it was that series that helped. So last June, we did a whole series on mental load and I will put links to the first post in that series because if you read through that series with your with your spouse, there's a lot of very practical tips there yeah. on how to figure this out and how to delegate stuff better so that, not that the guys have to do everything, goodness no, no. but just so that some of that mental load is off of her head. Yeah, so your partners. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're working together. Because mm-hmm. it is the mental load. Like, it's not the doing the dishes. It's the remembering that Johnny has to bring snack to soccer and all that stuff that's so, that's so exhausting. So that is our podcast for this week. We will be taking a week off next week because mm-hmm. next Thursday is Canada Day. And I am Canadian, eh? Oh, yeah. So <laughs> we're going camping. We're going to have a good time. Um, we'll put we'll put a post up with some of the other podcasts I've been on. Because I've been recording like four or five other people's podcasts every week so we'll put mm-hmm. some fun podcasts there that you can listen to instead and then we will be back the following week for some normal podcasts so thank you for joining us on the bear marriage podcast um please remember to rate it review it wherever you listen it helps other people find us and if you want to support um the research for the great sex rescue please t- take a look at our patreon it's patreon.com slash bear marriage i'll put a link in the podcast description too and you can help us get our research more widely disseminated so thanks for all your support thanks for listening have a wonderful canada day or july 4th whichever you're celebrating or if you're not celebrating any of them just have a wonderful beginning of the summer or if you're in australia new zealand beginning of the winter (laughs) (laughs) and we will see you again in two weeks bye-bye